Blog Talk Radio. Good evening. This is your good friend, the very esteemed and well-travelled Clarence Copernicus Cloverleaf. Welcoming you to another exciting edition of Cloverleaf Radio, hosted by the host with the most, Jimmy Falcon. You can always feel free to call in at 602-753-1883 to ask a question to the host or any of his well-established guests. Just please remember when calling in to be on your best behavior. This is a G-rated show, you know. Hey, that was a wicked rhyme. Anywho, just be sure to be kind and courteous. Now, on to the main event. Hello to all our dear listeners. This is your spokesman with a plan, Clarence Cloverleaf, coming to you after somewhat of an absent spell, as since December of 2018, I've been sailing around the world. From Italy to Canada, I've been making my way across this beautiful land of ours, searching for new meaning to an older existence. I'm happy to say I'm back now, and here to let you in on some stuff going on as of late. In mid-2018, the Cloverleaf Radio Network expanded to include our friends Josh and Ariana over at Night Moves Radio. It's been a splendid partnership, and Jimmy, Jane, and I are happy to welcome them to the family. They also brought along Soul Stories, which features inspiring poetry, read by the author herself, Ariana Cherry. We've been brought onto many new networks, including Anchor, the ASY Podcasting Network, WordPress, Podbean, even iHeartRadio. We've also started a fresh... Hey, this is actress Brianna Densky. You may know me best as playing June in the film Wonder Park. And you're listening to Cloverleaf Radio, hosted by the host with the most, Jimmy Falcon. All righty, we're back for another exciting edition of Cloverleaf Radio. I'm the host of most, Jimmy Falcon, and joining us today is actor, writer, director, producer, author, Peter Elbling. He's, he's done it all, probably more than I was able to list there, but how's it going, Peter? Oh, it's going very well, and I'm delighted with that ad. It reminded me of all sorts of things I'd completely forgotten. I love hearing that because uh, they take some time to get all the logos together and stuff, and I'm sure if uh, if I was more famous, Warner Brothers or one of the big companies might get uh, mad at me, but I'm glad that uh, people are able to get enjoyment out of seeing all their work in one place. I'm sure it can be uh, can be a mind trip sometimes. Uh, well, uh, yes, and uh, but a delightful one. So, again, thank you. And I appreciate the work that went into it, too. Uh, I, <clears throat> seeing my f- picture there surrounded with all these TV shows is very flattering, and it's always good to be flattered, you know. Absolutely. And uh, I guess I wanted to start in the beginning. Uh, I have a lot of love for England and Scotland, although I've never been there. Uh, the Boothby family comes from there. Uh-huh. Uh, and you growing up there, it seemed like your childhood was kind of typical for the upbringing. You had the estate. You had a manservant private school. That's right. That's absolutely correct. I was one of the last. They don't do that very much anymore. But I was one of the few, the last people to have a manservant, you know. <laughs> it was it was quite wonderful, actually. Well, how did you or why did you, I guess, decide to give up uh, what people may call these days a cushy lifestyle to, uh, to go to Canada and be a traveling folk singer? 
Yeah, that that was a bit of a switch, I must admit. Uh, I was, I think I was around 19 at the time, and um, I secretly wanted to come to the United States. But when I went to the American Embassy in England, it's this huge brick building, obviously, but um, it was so foreboding that I was intimidated. And it was much easier to get into Canada being a British subject. So uh, I chose to go to Canada first. And that was, uh, you know, a walk in the park getting in. And then after a couple of years of going across Canada, which is where I started folk singing, I went down into the States. So prior to, um, prior to going to Canada, I had been learning to how to play guitar but I'd never performed in public, but that was, um, Canada takes responsibility for that. And in particular, a place called Calgary, Alberta, which is where I first performed. Wow, yes, Canada is uh, very fast. It seems like I know that um, closest I got was Detroit, and I know it's pretty close to Toronto, but yeah, whereabouts is Calgary? Yeah. Calgary is sort of the Midwest of Canada. Oh, so it's our area, basically. <laughs> right. I'm in Illinois, so it sounds like, yeah. Yeah, sort of. It may be a little further west than Illinois, but it's sort of in that area, you know? Wow. But I've heard that Canada's, uh, in, in a lot of ways, is like America. So I guess if you could make any comparisons between two countries. Yes, it's sort of america light, you know? Um it has all everything that you have in America, you have in Canada, plus a few other oddities that are purely Canadian, none of which I can remember anymore, because it's been 50 years at least, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's understandable. I noticed that uh, it didn't take long before you uh, your nervous energy this made you decide to stop uh, folk singing and you joined a comedy group. And I hope I'm not butchering this guy's name uh, with uh, Michael Chiquette. Well, yeah, he's actually French Canadian, so he pronounces it Michel Choquette. Well, see, I've messed it up. <laughs> no, that's all right, not at all. I uh, do it all the time just to annoy him. The uh, Times Square, too. Uh, how did you guys get um, end up meeting and get together? <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, we were both playing at a club. In actually, we were both playing in Calgary, and then we both played together. In Edmonton, and as was the case in those days, everybody, or it seemed that everybody had a guitar. And uh, it was only natural that after the gig, we'd sit down and say, oh, do you know this song? Do you know that song? And we both happened to know a song from the 1920s called I Wish I Could Shimmy Like My Sister Kate, which is a great song, actually. And we both knew it. And he said that he had first learned it from an old 78 record in which the singer had induced himself, introduced himself by saying, this is Mr. Brown singing, I wish I could shimmy like my sister Kate. And then <laughs> off he sang, you know. And we both thought that was so hilarious that we decided to sit next to one another and play the song together as an encore when we both finished our sets. Wow. And uh, we decided to comb our hair in the middle make the part in the middle and we both had similar suits blue suits so we quickly changed into those and we rushed out to do our song for the audience and they'd all gone home so that was the very first oh, no. <laughs> but we weren't uh, we, we weren't um uh, we didn't despair we 
actually both moved to Vancouver from there. And we were so delighted with the ideas that we come up with that that's where we started performing the Times Square 2. And everybody said, oh, you guys are great. You should go to America. So we did six months later. Wow. And uh, in the next five years, you guys kind of did the, uh, the coffee houses, nightclubs, concert halls with some wonderful TV shows, uh, Smothers Brothers Comedy Hour, Dean Martin Show, uh, Johnny Carson, lots of great names. That had to be really interesting and, and kind of made you think, wow, this is what I may should have been doing for this whole time. It, it was. It was um, a little bewildering, too. Um, we did a show. What was that? Yeah, the Dean Martin show, and then they had a summer show, the name of which escapes me at the moment. Uh, you know, the big stars always sort of take off, and then they have a summer show that goes for like a variety show. weeks or something. You know, a variety show, exactly. <clears throat> Excuse me, and we were on that for eight weeks, and um, we met all sorts of people, some of whom I just didn't know, I wasn't aware of, because I was so young, and... Uh, I did a sketch with someone like Sid Caesar, and uh, we met Groucho Marx. I mean, it was quite an amazing time. I wish I had known then what I know now, because I would have appreciated it so much more. I'm still pretty young. I'm 30, but I was just watching old episodes of You Bet Your Life the other day, and Groucho was so on with his timing. And that say the secret way, divide a hundred dollars. That voice is just so memorable. Oh, he was wonderful. And he was just like that in person. If you left a space in between sentences, he'd fill it with a wisecrack. I mean he was uh he was just amazing. And at that time he was getting on in years, but it his yeah. mind was as sharp as ever. That is amazing, and I've heard a lot of great things um, about Dean Martin when I talked to his daughter, Dina, and it just seemed like he was one of a kind. One of those people you see and you can go, this guy looks like a great guy, and he ends up being one. That's always great to hear. Yeah, you never really get to meet those people unless you have a special connection. You become friends outside of the show. But the few exchanges I had with him were were really good. He was very pleasant and very uh, encouraging, you know. You guys are great. See you around. That <laughs> sort of thing, you know. Wow. Well, um, I did notice, and I wanted to bring this up because, uh, unfortunately, we uh, lost Valerie Harper just about not even three weeks ago. Right. Uh, you were on uh, on Rhoda for a Yes, I was, uh, yes. What was that like, that uh, working on that show and getting to work with her? Oh, she was wonderful. She was wonderful. Um, again, nearly everybody who makes it to that level one of the things, not always, but most of the time, they're very kind and very generous because they've gone through a lot to get there and they realize how difficult it is for everybody else. And they're always willing to share their time or expertise or anything that they can help me with. And she was certainly one of those people. I had great fun on that show. And going into uh, my childhood uh, uh-huh. and Rick Baranis was always hilarious, and I found it really cool that you wrote what became uh, "Honey, I Blew Up the Kid." Yeah, yeah. I how I did never... you guys get the idea for that? <clears throat> well, uh, I had had an idea. I can't remember how we heard it. I at the time I was producing and directing a group of improvisational actors 
we would perform once every six weeks or so called the Hollywood Primary. We'd do it at midnight at a famous hotel here in town called the Hollywood Roosevelt Hotel. And I was friends, obviously, with all the people in the cast. And I remember somebody telling a story about a giant baby. And I remember getting hold of my friend Gary Goodrow and saying, this is a great story, we should write it. So we wrote a film script called Big Baby. And it just so happened that I think it was around the time that we wrote it that Honey, I Shrunk the Kids came out. Mm -hmm. So when they were looking for a sequel, we had it right there, you know? And then they wow. brought in other writers to make sure that it um, was a good sequel in the sense that it had the same characters and so forth and so on. But that's where the idea started. Yeah, and um, for them to get Randall uh, Randall Kleiser to direct it, he was, uh, had so much talent as a director with Grease uh being maybe his most legendary film but uh he was he was very nice to talk to and uh i'm sure that seeing any kind of uh idea you have and you guys work so hard to put together a script for to see that get made and not just uh you know shoved in a desk or on the you know on the floor somewhere it's got to be a really awesome feeling well it was um it was obviously delightful when they decided to give us credit because with any number of uh, films made in Hollywood, there's often several writers. They go through several rewrites, and as they did with Big Baby. And then there's later on, there's a commission or a panel who go through all the various scripts and decides, or yes, decides who has given enough to the project to warrant getting credit. And they turn and they decided that we had. So that was um, that was. That was wonderful when that phone call came through. That was really terrific. I remember that very distinctly. It was quite a bit different than the original script we wrote. Ours was a little more hard-edged. But at the time, the first one hadn't come out, so we had no, we weren't trying to you know, be a sequel. We were just trying to right. be a standalone. And ours was just called Big Baby. You know? anyway. We had an idea. And that's, I think, that's, you know, that's anything that becomes uh, legendary or even iconic starts on a, such a small ground level that a lot of people are probably amazed uh, where some of these movies get uh, created and where they get wrote. Because it's not always the, the bright lights of Hollywood and in front of uh, hundreds of people. It may just be a small group and a small office uh, anywhere around the nation or over the world now. Well, now in particular, I mean, now because of all the social media and just just the way the world has evolved, you can be in Alaska and write a great screenplay and get it to somebody in Hollywood, you know, that afternoon. It's no big deal. It used to be a completely different ball game. But now, which is good, it makes it much more eclectic and and anybody and everybody can be involved. That's not to say it's any easier because now there are ten times as many people trying to get into business. But uh but anyway, that's that's a whole business talk. I don't want to get into that. Yeah, the uh, the Hollywood that uh, we watch uh, in films and television, and then going there and going through the motions as many people have, it's not the same thing, and it's, it can be a very uh, terrifying town and one that uh, will really break down the human spirit uh, if you're not willing to be out there for a long haul and to go through. Uh, 
so many auditions and being on a commercial and all these things before you finally get to where you're making a decent pay because it costs so much to even live out, out there. My God, you sound as if you've been through the mill out here, have you? <laughs> I, but I have uh, – I, I did visit for a week and um, met up that with was enough. people. That, yeah, well, living in a, in a small farming town uh, of less than about 500 people and going from that in one day to like 3.75 million, somewhere around there, can be oh uh, can be one thing. But I guess hearing uh, horror stories over uh, the years doing this is maybe where my uh, deep, rich Hollywood feelings these days come from. <laughs> okay. Oh, good, good. Because there's some wonderful movies out right now or coming out soon. Uh, and um, I think the movies are as good as ever, you know. So the talent is always there. It's just a question of it being heard and seen, you know. Yes, I think uh, there's there's probably a lot more, like you mentioned, more opportunities these days than where there was uh, when you got your start. I I would agree. I would agree. But going into uh, some of your own work, you have uh, your own character, Mr. Vin Agar. I hope I got that right with the uh, apostrophe. Mr. Mr. Vinegar. Yes. Uh, third time is the strike. <laughs> no, no, no. It's fine. <laughs> but you, you created uh, your own character and uh, have, have continued to make uh, short films and uh, even uh, a feature in uh, sometime in 2011, it says in your bio. But. Uh, when did you decide to create uh, your own character and go through, uh, you know, doing all these things yourself, even though you've, you've had so much experience that it has to be harder to, say, put something else on your plate? Well, actually, and I think this is true, you'll find if you speak to a lot of people in Hollywood, that um, you're, you're in the system because you want to be in the system because it pays money, you know, to live. But I think you'll find that Many, many actors and certainly many writers are always doing something on the side in the hope that they can get it made. Uh, and also because it satisfies a creative urge that they're not satisfying or is not being satisfied in the usual work that they do. And, um, <clears throat> excuse me again, I came up with Mr. Venegar. I don't remember exactly how. But I like the idea of an obnoxious, um, I was going to say something, I don't know what I can say on your radio, um, uh, a guy who um, who doesn't like the world. I just thought there was a, a lot of humor in that. And I made several, proceeded to make several short films and uh, wrote a feature, which as of this moment I haven't been able to get off the ground. But he's been a great deal of comfort to me. And I've been able to involve some really good acting friends of mine in those small projects. Uh, I don't know if you know any of the people. Brian Dorn Murray, I believe, was in one. Bill Murray's brother. Oh, he was in something else. Uh, Chris Mulkey. I mean, all sorts of people. Have, uh, Larry Hankin. Other people yeah, who you may know or may not know, but you would rec certainly recognize the faces. Yeah, I know Larry, and I know of uh, Brian Doyle Murray because I've seen a lot of his work. He is hilarious. Uh, oh, he's wonderful. Yeah, I, I remember like uh, going back to vacation. He had a cameo in that. Going up to I watched Yes, Dear. Uh, he had a recurring role as uh, <clears throat> the boss on that show. So 
Yeah, he's definitely great talent. Larry Hankin is a very talented man and a very nice guy as well. Oh, you've done a show with him? A few. Oh, great. Yeah, Wonderful. a few. Thankfully, he doesn't have – see, that's what is kind of crazy about uh, going through the motions with this. Yeah, I think you have a pretty uh, – it's a great name, but it's pretty simple to say now that I think about it. But some of the people I've had on the past couple of weeks um, – like Cat Roll Show was one lady, and um, I had uh, Athena Prohodko, and that was a really interesting spelling. But it seems like the the harder it is to spell, the easier I can kind of get it. But the easier it is to spell, the more the chance there is to flub it up. That's funny. That's very funny, but not unusual. <laughs> well, the last question I always like to ask uh, the guest is what the future holds for you. I'm sure you're you're still going at this. You have had such a career that you couldn't just let it go anytime soon. So what uh, what do you got coming up that you can discuss or would like to? And where could people find you if they want to find out more about your work or follow you on Facebook or anything like that? Well, um, actually, I'm just finishing up another novel. I have written a novel called Honey... Uh, no, I was going to say, I've written a novel called The Food Taster, which came out about 15 years ago, something like that, and uh, which I'm very proud of. And it was... Uh, published in over 20 countries around the globe. And again, every couple of years, somebody threatens to make a movie out of it, but as yet they haven't. And so uh, this new one has nothing to do with that. It's a contemporary novel, and it's called Acts, A-C-T-S, of Amusement. And as soon as I finish writing it, which I hope will be in the next, within the next month, I will uh, do my best to get a publisher and get it out to everybody including you and all the people listening. That is very awesome. I think any time someone can have success uh, with writing a book or a film and then uh, go through the motions of life and time and decide that you had so much fun and it was a success to go back and create something more with those characters and thoughts. Yes, indeed, indeed. Uh, but but in this particular case, this uh, I, this has nothing to do with the other novel. Did I did I confuse you, or am I confused? No, I confused myself. I got that oh. said that I. Uh, I'm sorry. I was trying to write a thing that we were still on the air on on Twitter, and it made me lose my train of thought. That's why people can't multitask. And no matter how much we think we can, I think it's a it's a myth. I agree completely. But, I find it I find it hard enough just to concentrate on one thing. Absolutely. Well, um, I think that uh, if you do decide to make uh, something else, uh, even out of uh, you know the characters from this book uh, down the line, it can be very uh, nice as well to see sequels. I know people always go, "Where's the sequel?" Yes, uh, but, but after a certain time, uh, I think it's nice to pop back in because it kind of surprises people. Well, I'm hoping the sequel will be the movie. Let's uh, let's yeah, put that yeah. out there. You know that would be that would be great if it was a movie. I'd I'd be delighted. You know, but but thank you for all the plugs. I appreciate it. <laughs> yes, it's no problem. Uh, thank you for uh, joining us today. And yes, sorry about the uh, the flub ups. I think that's the most per episode on names and everything along those lines. So thanks for uh, for joining us and being uh, compassionate towards my my uh, messed up. Well, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me. All right, Peter. Have a great night. Thanks again. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
All righty, guys. Well, we are going to be back, looks like, September 16th. We are very happy to be welcoming actor Greg Moffat. He had a uh, career as a child actor mostly. I know he just uh, most recently, I think it's this year, he has a, uh, an appearance in a film coming out. But uh, he was a child actor in the late 40s uh, to late 50s. And one, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, one role that pops out in particular was uh, with George Reeves and Adventures of Superman. And that's going to be really nice, talking about what uh, many consider the golden age of Hollywood, way before my time, but uh, have definitely seen some of those uh, kind of films. And I think, uh, especially with some of the sci-fi films he, was, he has been in, that have such big cult followings now, I think it's kind of the cheesiness uh, that you remember, since uh, especially these days, it seems like productions can have the huge budgets, and especially with uh, special effects, the way they are with computers, uh, you can sometimes lose uh, some of the cheesiness for reality. So it'll be nice talking to Greg. September 17th, we welcome three-time NWA TNA World Tag Team Champion, as seen in the WWE, the natural Chase Stevens. And September 19th, we welcome actor and filmmaker Wyatt Weed. He's going to be appearing at 2019's Dark History and Horror Con. He's best known as the Boar Predator in Predator 2. And, of course, the 2019 Dark History and Horror Con happening October 26th, 27th at the City Center in Champaign, Illinois. You can visit dhhcon.com for more info and up-to-date ticket prices uh, and guest lists. We have some really awesome people coming this year, so be sure to join us. And, of course, uh, Silcon is already in the works for next year. Um, so she's already put that out there. That's official. Uh, we will be back next year at the Cross County Mall in Mattoon, Illinois. So uh, stay up to date with us and uh, at Silcon.com for more info um, as the year progresses into on to next year about who will be at that one as well. So always something uh, fun for you guys to look forward to. Big thanks again to uh, Peter Elbling for joining us. I still feel like uh, – Goofball for uh, messing up the, the names uh, live and even um, some other things before that, one other thing before that um, with the flyer. But uh, he was really gracious to join us, and uh, he's had a very legendary career. If you guys joined us late, as always, you can check this out in the archive. It should be up probably about 10 minutes after the show uploads. And in about a week or so, hopefully, uh, it should be, yeah, about a week or so, um, all the shows should be on uh, jiapodcasting.com. I believe, well, let's see here. J-I-C, I haven't messed up my own website. jianetwork.com. I used to be our own website, not just mine, because Josh and Ariana and I are in this together. And we're, we have a lot of great shows for you. We are getting ready to uh, record our new one, which is going to involve all three of us, all three podcasters, and a microphone. And I believe we're going to do our first show probably in about a week or so. So uh, stay tuned for that roundtable discussion. And, of course, for uh, all the great guests and shows we have coming up on Clover Release as well. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Have a great night.